0: O thou, whose mighty palace roof doth hang from jagged trunks and overshadoweth eternal whispers, glooms, the birth, life, death of unseen flowers in heavy peacefulness, who loves to see the hamadryads dress their ruffled locks where meeting hazels darken, and through whole solemn hours dost sit and hearken the dreary melody of bedded reeds in desolate places where dank moisture breeds the pippy hemlock to strange overgrowth, bethinking thee. How melancholy loth thou was to lose fair syrinx. Do thou now, by thy love's milky brow, By all the trembling mazes that she ran, Hear us, great pan.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Soul of scene, I
0: Wrote that myself.
1: Aaron. Yeah, I wish I did. Who wrote it?
0: That is from a very tiny and almost comically, like, worn down and beaten up old volume of John Keats' selected poems. It's mm-hmm. a... A poem, I suppose, or like a uh, a passage called Hymn to Pan, which is an excerpt from his larger poem called Endymion, which I believe that like larger work begins with the line A thing of beauty is a joy forever. Mm-hmm. So I think that's very topical because for a Scene, I feel like that could be our our second like tagline.
1: A thing of beauty is a joy forever. Yeah. I like that.
0: We were kind of romantic like that. We,
1: we in terms have... Of-
0: poetry but today's episode the point is i feel like it it might be unromantic in some senses or like the 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 subject anyway is not a very romantic one which is why i wanted to start off with something very pretty very naturey and also i was reading just bits and pieces from that as i say comically worn down volume and was reading a little bit about john keats and learned that he died age 25 Mm -hmm. and wrote that at least by the time he was 24 that whole like Endymion poem, um, which was at once inspiring and at once entirely depressing—not mm. <laughs> really depressing—but I just thought it was a a nice way to start the episode.
1: Yeah, I think this might be our most depressing episode yet. Sure, but given our personalities, perhaps we can attempt to make it a bit more flowery. So this week we are diving into not the dark web, <laughs> but to me the dark web—the web that is. It's not even gray. Like it's right, yeah. it's not a good place to be, but almost all of us have tripped into it at one point or another. And especially not just us as adults, but children trip into it very easily. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be talking about content farms, about slime videos, and so what's the final thing?
0: Reaction videos. Also. Yeah,
1: so it just, it just keeps layers of worseness, but it's fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's kind of exciting also because this episode I mentioned to you in the morning, it's kind of structured a little bit like a, like an essay, like a deductive yeah. essay where we're raising all these points. And I feel like people listening can tell what our points will be before we even say them, but <laughs> it's still maybe a, a worthwhile uh, conversation to be had. And then we're ending with the question which we've been mowing over for the week. Should we cancel streaming? Mm-hmm. Which I guess is like the we as in you and I, but also the we as in everyone. Should we as a culture cancel culture? Cancel... Streaming. That's what that term's used mm. for, right? Yes. So, starting off with what I have just written down on my page as demonic content, I feel like today we are really unpacking that term of content. This is a very yeah. content focused
2: mm.
0: episode. Usually we're kind of just like, you know, there's all this content, but today we're like describing what this content is, um, perhaps who is consuming it, and why it might be bad or maybe good. Maybe demonic content is good. Yeah. It isn't. But (laughs) this really kind of breached the mainstream in, I think, 2016, 2017. It's called Elsa Gate. It has its own Wikipedia page. And for those who are fortunately unaware of this, it's basically the side of kids YouTube, which um, the platform kind of cracked down on. But at least in those years, and there is still a lot that persists today, is very inappropriate and gross and just feels off you just get a feeling of wrongness i've mm-hmm. never watched any of these videos but you can tell just by the thumbnails and the titles that they appeal to all the ki- all the things that children are curious about yeah. which um is is inappropriate for children mm-hmm. and i let the the listeners fill in the blanks on that i didn't want to go too deep into the specifics of that kind of demonic content because uh this is a beautiful sustainable tactile podcast mm-hmm. but i did have a recommendation for a good video essay on YouTube, which is called These Kids' Channels Are Still Horrifying, Here's Why. It's by a channel called Alex Miussi, I think. So that's like a 25-minute long mm-hmm. deep dive down the rabbit hole. And he also talks about the potential horrifying future wherein machine learning are assembling all the videos and also in charge of um, censoring or, or curating them. Mm-hmm. So it's it's quite a potentially dark future. What do you think about these videos alicia do you like them do you watch them in your spare time
1: (laughs) i don't basically what i gather is after like 2011 people just kind of acted like the problem was solved like there wasn't a bunch of this bad content circulating and then again in 2018 at elsagate it was like no it's fixed but it certainly isn't perhaps it's become slightly less explicit Mm. in how it's being portrayed I will give a couple of examples just for people who don't know because it is like you might not understand it. Yeah. Basically, there were... On YouTube, there's the algorithm. So you click on a video, the parents maybe screened it and we're like, okay, it's just a video of Paw Patrol. Like, it's just a full episode, whatever. But then within four to five automatic plays, so like you know how you watch a video and then yes, something yes. comes up or something comes up and they're recommended. It would get to these videos that looked innocuous like one of the titles was itsy bitsy spider played at kids playground or something like that then the video was just this like demonic looking spider chasing a a kid right but the audio was just itsy bitsy spider so if you put your laptop in front of a kid and they were hitting next Mm -hmm. next next you wouldn't hear anything wrong and because kids have this fascination with the macabre and with things that are taboo They're not especially likely to tell you that that's what scared them or whatever.
0: And it's not always scare, right? Sometimes it's just a a curiosity, whether it's something like that's inappropriately kind of bodily. Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of toilet stuff, teeth stuff. Yeah. Like as you say, spiders and like creepy things like that, Mm -hmm. but also just like breastfeeding. Like it will be, it always plays on those kind of curiosities that children have, which I don't know. And the other thing to mention is that these videos almost invariably have. At least millions of views, mm-hmm. like tens of millions of views. And it's, uh, it's quite worrying. I feel like the people who make them and are profiting off it are pretty much, um, the worst people. No yeah. offense if you are listening to Scene. So- actually. Offense. offense.
1: Please stop.
0: <laughs> yeah, please stop.
1: Um, so that's the videos, like how they are. Yeah. But. That's been slightly monitored a bit, especially right. because all of the studios, like the Disney and Nickelodeon, yeah. they were like, "I don't want." Because it
0: always uses the likenesses of Spider Man or else or yeah, whatever, maybe. But exactly. That's, so that's like the worst of the worst, basically. Yeah. I hope so, anyway. But I wanted to. Th- I was thinking this week about the way it's kind of softened into more mainstream, and especially what what fascinates me is more grown up leaning audiences. Yeah. Like um, this week there was a few things that kind of uh, made me think just out and about i saw a couple of ipad kids out in the wild yeah more than a couple actually and that's always that's always worrying and it's also uh crazy to me how widespread that meme is Mm. of the ipad kid because i always thought i think i mentioned this on the episode before but i thought it was kind of a an in joke that you and i had yeah i didn't realize that it was just a whole generation of kids yeah that not of kids that are ipad kids but like that know about it as a meme oh Mm. yeah he's an ipad kid Mm -hmm. it's like why is that a term that's horrible yeah but also we uh, voluntarily went to go see the Super Mario Brothers movie mm-hmm. in cinemas, and it just struck me as something that ten, fifteen, twenty, however many years ago people would have seen it and it would have driven them to sickness yeah because it was so bright and so manic and I liked the movie like mm-hmm. that's the thing we both came away like that was okay, mm-hmm. but then the more I think about it, I was like that's probably not healthy for children. No. It didn't help, let me, let me be, be clear, that we were sitting in the second row. Yeah. Third row. So we had to just lean all the way back so our eyes could take it in. Yeah. And it felt like if eyes could uh, vomit, then...
1: That's kind of what was happening. It would have yeah.
0: produced that. But you know what I'm talking about? Like, there were a lot of adults seeing that movie, or at least mm-hmm. teenagers, not with children.
1: Yeah, certainly. Okay.
0: But I think that the the colors the mania the editing the rapidity of it all is very inspired from by these the youtube kids videos,
1: videos yeah. yeah so oh my i just don't even know i i want to try and remain calm <laughs> <laughs> because i just feel very strongly about the these topics so yeah i think it's definitely filtered into adults content i'm going to get into that in a bit when i talk about content farms and like the kind of Industry that's around that in yeah. just creating videos to be explicitly eye-catching and addictive,
0: but but a little bit vapid and yeah, and like gross and bodily. Often,
1: mm, I think a good example, perhaps one that's slightly more widely known, is the movie Turning Red. Mm. I will gripe about this movie until the day I die. Perhaps, hopefully, I'll forget <laughs> hope it. Not,
2: yeah, <laughs> that would be good.
1: Um, but there were, it was a movie that's yeah marketed towards kids. But also, as a family movie, so like there's that kind of age old like adult humor in it kind of hidden in, but mm-hmm. that it's not like dirty or anything. It's just like, oh, adults will find this funny. But I found in this movie there were a few moments that felt like good examples of how maybe it's not explicitly like during Elsa Gate when something was just explicitly like sexual sexual or yeah, yeah like uh gory. But in this one, it was like like the characters would, like, twerk. Yeah. Or they would, like, do things that it's like, this isn't good for kids to watch. Because it's like, I, the movie wanted to be empowering to young girls about yeah. their periods. And it's like, yeah, of course, I'm on board for that. But it's like, periods are completely different from sex. Like, they're very different mm-hmm. things. Like, I know that they're, they're connected, but it's like, you shouldn't then just immediately be like, You got your period, now you need to act like this or like whatever this movie was trying to say. And that's one of the big issues with these YouTube videos is that child psychologists have found that kids are acting as if they've been abused. This is very dark, but just a heads up, that's what I'm about to talk about. But yeah, the YouTube like the psychologists are finding yeah, the kids are having all the symptoms of abuse, either physical, mental, or sexual. And not actually being abused and the reason that they're having these responses is because the repeated exposure to stressful or to fearful or intense emotions that they get from these youtube videos and they say like it used to be nine times out of ten like you'd know what the cause was but now it's like way more common that it's youtube is the cause it's not but an adult e-
0: even the benign videos right like not the ones that sneak in as you say the ultra gory or sexual yeah, stuff. yeah like i'm
1: saying with this
0: super mario brothers movie yeah like something like that like thankfully it was only like this is me being conditioned but it was only <laughs> 90 minutes yeah but if i had been watching that for even like half an hour more yeah i feel like your mind will be reeling let alone if you were three
2: yeah. and i'm not saying
0: like parents who take their kids to see that movie is bad i'm just saying using it as an example of something that Given kind of unrestricted access to, or for, mm-hmm. for too long, it can be harmful.
1: Yeah, it damages their literal like prefrontal cortex that like yeah. makes decisions and makes them like self-aware and makes them be able to plan ahead and like see the consequences of their actions. Like it just damages it because the stressful impact couldn't necess- isn't necessarily being scared or whatever, but it's being constantly exposed to like, oh, this is a video of someone's teeth falling yeah, out this te- is like glue being poured into someone's nose and it's like that's stressful because it's just like because stress isn't necessarily yeah. negative it's like a- you can have positive stresses but I- it's not good <laughs> i feel like it's a
0: bit hard to describe the visceral reactions to to this kind of thing because it, it's almost mm-hmm. like designed to weird you out in this gross way it reminds me a little bit of um trypophobia or trypophobia mm-hmm. like the the phobia of or the the repulsion or the aversion to kind of organic looking um holes
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know what i mean there's like pizza and stuff like that yeah. sometimes it reminds me a little bit of that for people who don't know maybe don't look that one up actually it's kind of gross also yeah
1: not everybody has a phobia but a lot yeah, of people but it's,
0: do it's a common thing cause it's just like mm-hmm. a psych- psychology like a human thing yeah and um i wanted to go on youtube kids and just take a survey of like the top 10 videos popular in Canada or something like that. How
1: did that make you feel, Aaron?
0: Well, I don't know <laughs> if this is the, the Lord stepping in, but um, YouTube Kids is not available in our region. Oh. Our region meaning Quebec. It literally says that. It's like all of Canada, brackets, except Quebec.
1: What is Quebec doing? <laughs> I have questions, yeah. but...
0: But anyway, so that's... <laughs> it's
1: not available.
0: It's not available.
1: Um, From my experience working with kids over the years, I've been exposed. I can tell you kind of... A summary of what would be on the homepage.
0: Very bright colors. I'm going to, let me predict. Okay. Very bright colors. There'll be one video and it'll be like, it's not even a, a child girl. It'll just be a woman mm-hmm. with like pigtails and pink like hair ties or something. Yeah. And maybe braces kind of photoshopped in. Oh, it
1: smashed <laughs> the table. I, I you know, hate I'm, it like, so much. That's
0: something that I in, immediately, I'm like, why are there adults in these? And why are they acting like that? I understand like, children's television shows will say Blue's Clues. Yeah. It's like there's a a grown-up in that. But they act mostly like grown-ups. Yeah. They soften themselves because they're talking to children. Like
1: Mr. Rogers. It's like he's an adult, but he was...
0: He doesn't, like, crawl around and, like, I don't know, do that kind of stuff. Or do, like, the really crazy expressions when they pour slime. But, yeah, so with this pouring slime, I was thinking, because last week on the episode I mentioned, like, TikTok, isn't it funny how this was a platform which was initially populated by children or adolescents and now has become infiltrated by all grown-ups and how might that have influenced the content that's being Mm -hmm. made for it now and i was thinking about those like um the food ones Mm -hmm. you know it's like look at this person make disgusting nachos and they just pour it all on like the kitchen counter do
1: you want to know who's to blame for that
0: me no who
1: i was first and last (laughs) His name is Rick Lax. I
2: thought and you were going to say me. <laughs> no, no, no.
0: Okay.
1: Um, he was a magician. Right. And he kind of, as a magician or a, like people who are in that form of entertainment, like they are usually like psychologically aware of like the, how the tricks work, right? Mm-hmm. So he started out with these videos of trying to get people to watch longer. And therefore, if you watch longer, the people who make them make more money. And so he was like the father of all these food videos. Like he made specifically the nacho one. Oh. And all the ones with like noodle soup, like scooping out a Mm. spoonful and like spelling out something with like the vegetables. So those are all him.
0: (laughs) What's wild is that those videos, I think grownups watch them. Yeah. And I know the children watch them. So it's like the line is blurring. And TikTok, when you think about the platform, not to get too kind of meta with it, but TikTok is pretty much defined by... A blurry line between adolescence and adulthood mm-hmm. like when you think about what tiktok is like you th- you picture like teens dancing and lip syncing but then on either side of that you have other stuff and it's like who's watching what It's yeah. very blurry i know i think there is a tiktok kids as well but i feel like kids aren't using that
1: no yeah with the blurring of the lines i think it might have started from adults trying to be like well i want to understand what my teens are watching i want to not be hip yeah. But then they get sucked into it the same because it's the same brain.
0: There's that, but also think about the dystopia of the children who were just raised on the Rick Rickwax, Rick, Lacks
1: Rick Lacks.
0: And the um Coco melon. they straight up just become 14, then 18, then 25. Yeah. Time uh works like that. People mm, age. age. People yeah. age, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But also ASMR, I feel like that's in here somewhere. Oh, my. Those so satisfying videos. Yeah. Where would just be something being sliced. And I just see it on the thumbnail, and I'm like, what? There's something... That's... It's weird. Yeah. It's weird, and I don't like it. and I don't understand it, so I, it's yeah. weird, and it's not good.
1: And I think we need to actively stop <laughs> consuming them. And if you see someone consuming them, shame them.
0: Yeah, I just put, Make them feel bad. I just wrote, in so a Scene, no. In big <laughs> um, we're going to talk later about streaming. And I basically kind of broke streaming down for that uh part of the episode into is it for art or is it for education is it for info Mm -hmm. and i feel like that is a kind of um a categorization that can be relaxed a little bit for adults because adults work hard and i understand when people say but i just want to chill Mm -hmm. and you know listen to some whatever or watch something whatever just because yeah but for children i think that should be quite a strict duality in terms of their Their videos, if they are watching them, it's like, this is either art or this is education. It's not
1: to unwind and relax because they're kids. They don't
0: need, they don't really need (laughs) that. And if they do, just put them in a tree or give them a dodgeball or something like that. Yeah. So I think in the solo scene, one thing is like parents should trust their own moral center more so and just disregard entirely whether something has a hundred million views, whether the other kids in the class are doing it. Cause I, I think I could see that being a thing for like, i don't know a 45 year old dad who is not hip with youtube and they're like well this has this many views can't be that bad all the kids in the class are watching it It can't be that bad i feel Mm -hmm. like you should trust your own instinct when you see these things and be like no that's not not for jimmy or timmy yeah or whichever
1: and it's like you could even screen these videos sometimes and it's like well this looks fine but it's like you have to think about the repeated exposure to this I am reading a book, I'll probably keep talking about it, but it's called like, Life in Five Senses. And the woman gave the example of turning her phone to black and white right, for I a few times, a like you did that. And then she said when she did that, the colors just like in the room started looking brighter. Because when you're looking at your phone, and that's kind of your point of reference of like the completely bright, completely vibrant versions of everything. Mm-hmm. When you then look at real life, everything will look Dollar, so even just that one act of like turning into black and white was useful I've also I mean I don't want to be like giving people parenting advice I don't know if any parents listen no we should but there is like research into what kids shows are good and black and white is like the best place to start even like turning your filters to be all black and white Um, because the kids are way more likely to walk away from it Mm. but when it's on full blast color they will be glued to it and like not move but with little bear is one um what are some other ones
0: so basically the, like, the slower the better is what i'm gonna the guess
1: the slower and like the the literal color grading like is important and there's like been research into it so you can just look up the list and it's a good place to start because i get wanting to kind of have the tv babysit sometimes um i don't think it's like perfect but it is necessary given that like both parents are often working or we're we
0: talking about in the Yeah. Yeah. No compromises in the solo scene.
1: Yeah, so no one needs to be babys- The TV doesn't need to be babysitting. But we both, like, we think we'll show our kids movies and things someday. Yeah. But, but it, it's like, it needs to be it's intentional. Curated. Yeah. So
0: we're, like, we're going to basically, I think, have some kind of curriculum.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I don't think, I mean, like, we want to put in a lot of work into that because we value film and we value, like, that our form, but, but not so everybody because, does. Yeah, but
0: more so because we value our children's brains. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um,
0: I know it sounds so cruel No, but I'm just saying You can
1: look it up Or even just try the black and white trick With kids Like putting your laptop on black and white Is a good place to start And then it won't impact them as aggressively A quick brief overview of the YouTube home screen Because I didn't get to do that There'd be a music video It would be like What does the fox say? Like some kind of Actual mainstream song But what
0: about Bowser singing Peaches?
1: Exactly Bowser singing Peaches There'd be a music video There'd be a full length episode of something Pig. Peppa Pig, that live yeah, yeah. Peppa
0: Pig thing that's always playing. Exactly. Even I see that recommended.
1: Yeah, Peppa. There'd be a Cocomelon, always a Cocomelon, which is this like, I mean, if you haven't seen a still from this show, <laughs> just look at it and tell me if you think it's demonic. Because I just, you look at it and <laughs> you're like,
0: that word demonic?" I feel like people might think you are being serious. Are you being serious?
1: There's just not a better word for it. Like yeah. it, it's coming Evil. from a dark place. Evil. It's coming from... Exploitative. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Here's what I think. If demons are real, this is where they are.
1: They're, they're in Cocomelon. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there'd be that. There'd be, yeah, just like a full-length innocuous cartoon, like a SpongeBob, a Peppa. Apparently Peppa isn't good, but anyway. Um, And then there'd be slime video unboxing. So oh. unboxing toys. And then there'd be like, yeah, like a play with me where they're like, wow, we're going to make these ponies do whatever. And the thing with adults doing it is like i don't I'm not for exploiting kids on these, like to have the kids on it because that's no. worse, but it's like the adults who are making these need to be aware that they're showing kids this is how adults act, and yeah, kids exactly. try to emulate adults exactly so it's like I remember the first kid that I was babysitting that i that kind of grew up like this, and there was a point where they were like they turned like nine or something like they started watching YouTube a lot more on their own. And they started acting like a baby, like a a cartoon baby. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. But then kind of traced it back to these adults who are acting like babies. Because when you turn nine or you turn like whatever age it was, you start wanting to be adultish. So she starts acting like this. Anyway, it's just a weird thing. And be aware of it. And don't just be like, "Oh, it's fine. Like it's cute."
0: Yeah, it's not cute. Another thing, <laughs> like more parenting advice, I think, is that even with the the things that people maybe think like that's not the best, that's not good, we'll say, "But it's on." But we put a, a time limit on. They only have half an hour of. T-. Yeah. I feel like there are some things which aren't good in moderation. Like they're terrible
1: mm-hmm.
0: in the smallest doses. Like yeah. something like it doesn't matter if the child wants to watch them. Also,
1: no, it doesn't something matter because. Like yeah, the time limit thing. It's like, well, they only have half an hour of screen time. It's like, but it still should be like, yeah, educational or artful. Yeah. Like, it should be intentional. You should have screened it because sometimes...
0: Well, he's down to one cigarette a day.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> a one-year-old. Because
1: sometimes shows... like My mom, I remember, stopped me. I've probably said this a lot of times from watching Caillou um, because I started having tantrums. But had she not been watching, she would have been like, oh, she's just having tantrums. Mm. But she was watching with me and realized I was just mimicking the behaviors of the cartoon and yeah i get that you can't always watch it with your kid but at least yeah i mean just the, try your best the <laughs> people
0: listening might be pulling that face right now the one's like like that yeah as in like what we're saying is kind of just the things we're talking about are kind of gross yeah so do we have anything kind of light that we could maybe break up the episode with alicia sure? no <laughs> oh no no meme of the week
1: i have a meme of the week okay. I'll, I'll do it but it's not especially light oh
0: it's a dark one <laughs> No bad luck, Brian, today.
1: No, okay. The meme of the week is my toxic trait. Do you know that meme? Mm.
0: Uh, vaguely.
1: So I use this in my head a lot. Like this morning, I like opened the cupboard, and I was like thinking, my toxic trait is blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, this is a good meme of the week. So it's a phrasal template.
0: Yeah, it sounds very Twittery.
1: It's very Twittery. It started on Twitter mid-2018. Someone just tweeted out, like, earnestly you got to be mature enough to understand that you have some toxic traits, too. It's not always the other person. And this only got, like, four likes. Like, that didn't go viral. But then people kind of started responding to it and saying, my toxic trait is blank. But, like, earnestly, since so they like, my toxic trait is, like, being codependent. I don't know exactly what. It's but-
0: a little bit of that therapy speak as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it kind of turned into people... Saying my toxic trait is I shop too much, or is I, one was like that. I think I could get into the salty splatoon. Like there's a lot of these... something very benign. Yeah, and the reason I tried to pull a lesson from this, obviously, is that it was genuine turned into trying to be funny, but it was kind of turning it. It was always about yourself. Like it was always vain. So it was saying my toxic trait. Yep. But I found it's a good example of how on the internet our vanity kind of is turning into this kind of self-deprecating way of just trying to stand out the most. And I feel like it's really similar with these videos, but it's like trying to find like the most obscure, the funniest way to say my toxic trade is blank. And some people do like really long things or be like, yeah, like a reference. And it's like, you say, see this and you're like, oh no, like all these people are self-deprecating. All these people are like joking around when this is serious but it's like it's still a vain thing because you're trying to be become viral and trying to have the funniest one yeah and i feel like with these videos that we're going to talk about right now about content mills is like it has to it's not out of nowhere like it does i think come from a vanity or from a obsession with money which is kind of similar but yeah that's the meme of the week toxic trait yeah
0: so what is yours is that what you were going to say or
1: no i don't i don't have one uh,
0: but if you were on twitter and yeah, you're yeah. trying to go viral with something <laughs> and you were uh, thinking about it in the morning when you open the fridge or whatever what would you say my toxic trait is
1: i think what i was thinking when i opened the cupboard was my toxic trait is assuming there's food until i'm proven wrong
2: yeah <laughs> which isn't even it sounds funny like but it's I would just read like
1: I, I like open up the cupboard and it, there's like a box, and I haven't checked to see if there's anything actually in it. And I just kind of pull out a bag of oatmeal every morning. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I assume there's one in there, but like I should have probably been looking in. Anyway, that was my toxic trait this morning. Um, content houses and farms. This is another level of. That's <laughs> <laughs> where the demons live? Or? This is their homes. Okay. Yeah. This is where they live. <laughs> they still exist. The first, I mean, like, Big Brother kind of was, like, the inspiration for a lot of these people, like, purportedly. But, uh, like, art collectives and communes have always existed because artists, like, you work alone. Like, you don't work with other people unless you're doing a big mural or something. But like, even us, it's like, we don't know any other podcasters. Right. But if there was, like, a podcast collective, maybe we'd join it or whatever.
0: Because you like, bumping so, shoulders and being in a creative nexus of...
1: Yeah, and it's also just, like, if you have your job... Like, you need to relate to people. Like, no one else can really get it Mm -hmm. the way that others can. So it's kind of, like, where these come from. So I don't hate them. It's low-key a solo scene idea if it wasn't for creating content. Um, This is the content houses I'm talking about because the farms are different. I'll get to those. But the houses, yeah, it's, like, a bunch of usually young people come together. And they're, like, okay, we're going to kind of build brand recognition with this house. And then those, like, crossovers... So they kind of all... So it's
0: a literal house.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a literal in, house. In
0: which reside several influences. Yeah. Usually...
1: Curly hair. With
0: curly hair. The yeah. men I'm talking about. <laughs> and they film themselves doing dances.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I got it. Okay. So I remember getting sucked into a vortex once. I'll go into my dark history. <laughs> um, so like I always liked the YouTuber Liza Koshi. She was kind of like one of the first funny comedian ones. But then she had a boyfriend. I mean, they're separated now. David Dobrik, who everybody knows for the most part. Um, and he was, I remember, like, I started slightly watching his videos because, like, they'd feature her and I was, like, interested. But then I was like, who are all these characters that seem like you need to know characters, them? Characters, yeah. Um, so there was, like, I don't remember any of their names, but there was, like, six other guys and, like, three other girls. And I was like, then I had to start going back onto their channels and watching, oh, like, all of this. It's like who is this? So basically,
0: you'd follow it like a soap opera.
1: It's exactly like oh, a soap these opera. two are together
0: now. I thought yeah. she was getting with him.
1: So it's like they're making their videos. It's like today I'm talking about this new car I bought, but then like there's this drama happening. So it's mm. kind of that like it's like that video where you have to count the basketball players, but then a gorilla runs through
0: the I screen. Don't know that, okay. Um,
1: it was like a I think it was a TV ad.
0: How old were you when you were into this?
1: too old like 15 16
0: yeah that is too old
1: um but because it, it you get sucked in you're just like genuinely curious but then you end up giving them hundreds of views because you're watching other videos sometimes
0: dollars in so that patreon yeah we'll get there so soon we'll get there
1: yeah but that's kind of the content house thing i was f- amused to hear one of the youtubers that i still watch was the founder of like content houses and i was like i don't like that Hmm. But I mean, he's 30 now and he started it when he was like 16. So it's kind of like, we grow, we evolve. But
0: it's also the case (laughs) about children directing the economy and especially the entertainment economy, maybe a little bit too much.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the content farms are much more malicious. The content houses is like, yeah, exactly. They're kind of scammy and like TV show-y, but like we've always had, not we've always had, but like TV shows aren't as... Bad as these content farms, which, like infamously Five Minute Crafts, is like a content farm, and that they put out fifteen thousand videos per month. What? Yeah, and I was like, I reread that so many times, and I was like, no, but it's like, yeah, fifteen thousand videos per month.
0: We'll get there, so we'll see like that. So they're
1: the fifteenth most subscribed to channel on YouTube. But,
0: okay, so by who? Who do you think subscribing?
1: seems like everybody because i
0: don't know what five minute crafts is Is that for children don't.
1: Or? it's like it started out as like diy hack because those were good seo terms like se- search engine optimization terms yes and so it'd be like genuine kind of like silly but they were hacks to life like grease your pan with leftover bacon fat or like use a piece of paper attached to the, the dust pan to catch more dust like it was hacks but then they started getting parodied and then they kind of leaned into that, and now it's like
0: deliberately dumb things.
1: Super dumb. It's like one of the most famous is how to sneak candy into class: hollow out a glue tube and then put the candy in there, and like stuff like that.
0: That sounds like the intersection of the gross body and weird kid stuff that we were talking yeah, about, yeah. and the reaction videos that we're about to talk about. Yeah, because there's that guy on TikTok who was famous just for reacting to dumb things like that. Yeah, and I was always like, okay, I get the joke or whatever, but. These are all very clearly deliberately dumb, like they the life hack videos, right? Mm-hmm. Like they are deliberately made so that you can say, "But why wouldn't you just do?" Like they're made for that, so mm-hmm. that you can because they don't really care if it's dumb as long as you watch it.
1: Yeah, they don't care. Also, and it's for
0: children, or a lot of children watch
1: it. Yeah, and you know when you scroll to the bottom of your, like it can be CBC, like it can be just a what seems like non clickbaity yes. website. And then it's like, there's these three things, and it's like, curing cancer with apple seeds. Uh, what's this crazy thing that washed yeah. up on the shore of New York? And
0: dentists hate her.
1: Yeah, and or dentists hate her. Or
0: 15 pictures she regrets. Yeah. And like a volleyball exactly. player. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so it's like, all these things, it's like, how do they get here? But it's these websites. Yeah, again, it's like, acting like it's a problem of the past, but it still happens all the time. Even on my Pinterest, like, there's these recommended things. But it's like they're written like ghost written or uh freelance written for like super low amounts of money, but there's no control over what's in them. And it's like people were actually like, Oh, they're very low <laughs> what was it saying? Like that the people writing them aren't experts. And I'm like, Can you be an expert in dentist hater? Like, no. It's <laughs> so anyway, these are all being basically created by companies who just make a ton of money by getting clicks and then maintaining people on their videos or on their websites to read. And there's one more thing I just wanted to, I mean, you don't know about it. And I'm kind of asking the listeners if you knew about this, because I didn't. Uh, Because I always knew 5-Minute Crafts, but there's this new one called Troom Troom, which is apparently like the room of YouTube. Like it's kind of cringy, but in like a low budget kind of way cringe videos i suppose
0: the room as in the tommy wiseau film okay yeah yeah which has a cult following for being so bad it's good Yeah. terrible acting terrible writing just made to be laughed at
1: so Um. bad it's good that's what this channel is and i never heard of it and apparently it's like people are trying to figure out who owns it and there's just no information yeah and even the women who star in it like They have Instagrams and it's like we kind of know where they like what country they're from and like who they are, like their artists and their actors. But it's like really weird because they also said, I mean, I didn't even click on one to watch, but the articles I read said that the people who are in them, like they're clearly native English speakers. But the way that they even say their words is as if it was put through Google Translate like three times to try and catch you with the words. Anyway, just don't watch these. Sounds that's the moral of the story <laughs>
0: uncanny valley i feel like that's a good way of describing yes. a lot of these videos but that's the the gross fascination with it mm-hmm. but it's like if adults want to spend their time doing that i don't really care but when children are subjected to it and they are attracted and they don't know why they're attracted to it they really um yeah. me and, and then they just and start me.
1: yeah internalizing but even think about
0: things. like you mentioned cringe videos there even think about that i don't know like 15 minutes we spent a few years ago watching the TikToks of the indian Joker. Yeah. And it's like, look at this these videos are so dumb, but they occupied like fifteen minutes or something. Of our lives. So, of our lives. So it's it's a this deliberate dumbing down. And sometimes you go down the the rabbit hole of brain rot and you think that you're above it. You're like, Well, I'm just laughing at it. Yeah. So it's like, but you're going down it all the same. So mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter. You're not really superior to it, even if you're watching it ironically or talking about it ironically.
1: Yeah, I didn't even get into ju- Jubilee because that's a whole other Yeah, that's thing. for another day, maybe. Uh, yeah, another day. Or just I might reference you to a video you don't like th- at the same level that I do, but Alice Capel made a video recently about it and it was just explicitly about Jubilee and how it's like porn, which is interesting because I do agree with the way that they use this. It seems like it has the same hold on people's brains. So check that video out, or we'll try and talk about it another time.
0: Reaction video. <laughs> I think we've been recording for about 40 minutes already, and we still have two questions really to get to, so <laughs> okay. we'll rush through reaction videos a little bit, because I think it is quite a straightforward phenomena. Yeah. I kind of listed all the ways that I think it appeals. What we actually asked ourselves was, who listens and why? Yeah. The who listens, as always, very hard to, um, or who watches, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to, to discern. I, you can tell by the thumbnail what is directed for who. Yeah. You know, like, which are for children, as you said. Unboxing—that's kind of a reaction video, or Mm -hmm. or the ones that are for gamers, or the ones that are for film bros, or whatever. But you're never quite sure who is actually watching. But anyway, I feel like because I've watched a few of these deliberately, and the main appeal, I think, is this kind of parasocial dynamic of I want to know what X is thinking about Y. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, with the Oscar nominations, or even the the Oscar awards. I think for the last two years, I watched this video of a, a film. Video essayists that I watch on YouTube sometimes, just reacting to the nominations. Yeah, and it's like, well, why would I want that? Mostly because it's something of a bellwether for the entire film community's opinions on things. Yeah, so it's the same reason that I say sometimes I have a a slight compulsion to check the comments because I want to know what other people are saying about it, Mm -hmm. not to influence myself, just so I can know kind of how I compare, I suppose, and because I like seeing where culture and society stand on certain things. So. I think that's one reason. And I feel like it's not all bad. I'm not just trying to excuse my own behavior here, but it's something like a real-time review sometimes. Yeah. Because generally, I think we are watching because the person knows more about the thing than we do. Mm. Like I wouldn't watch someone less educated on film talk about the Oscar nominations than I would. But if it was like, Steven Spielberg reacts to the Oscar nominees and it was a 15-minute video of him in front of the camera talking about them... Mm. Um, then that would have value because it's like he has expertise on this. But so I don't think it's that bad, and I feel like if it was after the facts, which it usually has been through history, like critical reviews, let's say in the newspaper, have yeah. been a thing for like a century mm. or more, then it wouldn't be looked down on so badly always. But this yeah. is just one example, I think.
1: Yeah, there's definitely two categories: is the review type, where it's like a reaction to, but it's more of a unpacking, and there's my the thoughts. Ones that are literally just people playing a game and you don't see a single frame of the game. You just see their face. Yeah. And they reaction that way. There's a theory, it hasn't been proven, uh, based on a study done on apes of tracking which neurons fire when they receive food and when they see a human receiving food. Yeah. And it's the exact same reaction in their brain. So there's a theory that we have these neurons called mirror neurons. They're like this, I mean, they're not literal neurons, but this capacity in our brain that when we see someone else do something it's almost the exact same as if it's happening to us
0: i think i mean that's just as you say like that's a theory hasn't been proven but it's like we've been saying all semester it's like but it's true yeah it's just that science hasn't caught (laughs) up like that's just obvious yeah you can see it in the rise of people who watch video games rather than play them who um watch movies watch someone watching a movie rather than just watching it themselves Mm -hmm. who watch pornography rather than you know whatever like there's There is definitely this rise in a kind of voyeuristic urge that people have. And it's definitely not healthy. And people definitely treat it way too benignly for what it actually is. I was on Reddit because I was trying to find people talking about the reaction video, specifically who watches it. But there was this one comment someone put in, like, why are these a thing? And they wrote, part of it is the same as why we'd rather watch someone play a game we own and can play ourselves. It's just dot, 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 a bit better. Almost like having company. Without all the nasty disadvantages of actually having company, yeah. so I wrote after this in so was <laughs> seen no because I feel like that's that's the the trend of the episode is just yeah, probably our most unimaginative one yet, the same things one that we are saying no,
1: been. yeah, it definitely sounds very um conservative
0: there's nothing wrong with conservatism for things that are just evil, yeah, if something is new and evil, it's good to be a conservative with regards to yeah that, that is
1: true, I think what these videos do and kind of all the ones we've talked about is I liked the phrasing that was used here and it says we're binging on emotions i think this kind of falls in all of these like the highs and lows like yeah just seeing someone else be emotional because we're so deprived of emotions Mm. in real life like we seriously in the run of a day like barely laugh barely cry barely have any kind of reactions let alone see other people do that because we're
0: outsourcing our emotions in that way and especially our expressions because the thing with these people is that from what i've seen of reaction videos they are almost always performative they yeah. almost always if not outright acting then just exaggerate into a cartoonish degree mm-hmm. but maybe because it's children watching them maybe because that blurry line between children's content and, and adult content or maybe because people have just become so unfamiliar with what actual human emotion looks like it, it just kind of is treated as normal when someone is like A grown adult is like throwing themselves around because the movie they didn't like wasn't nominated or Mm -hmm. you know whatever it may be or it's like reacts to a trailer and it's like there's some cameo and people like start jumping up and down it's like that's not how humans actually are Mm -hmm. it reminds me also of the tiktok videos people make of themselves crying it's like this is (laughs) acting though this is performative
1: yeah and it's just so much more like last night we went to watch a kind of culty uh what would you say Culties cool. in the bed. No, not um, culties. Campy. It,
0: yeah, campy, a campy uh, uh, movie. A horror movie, a <laughs> B-movie.
1: And it was like, you're in a group. So it's like, this is kind of what these videos are trying to emulate. So people were like kind of shouting out like comments. Yeah. But it was just like, not so over the top. It was just like, oh man. Yeah,
0: because they're real people.
1: Because <laughs> they're real people. But then when if you're a kid watching these videos, you think that these are real people, but they're not. Yeah. And it's just, it kind of reminds, like that experience was really like, this is a live reaction video, like a live mm-hmm. people reacting and trying to be entertaining because that's what we do when we socialize is try to like get other people to laugh and smile. Yeah. But then it's like sometimes when people would laugh, it would just be like a genuine laugh, not like a ha ha ha. Like I feel like even the way that we yeah express ourselves is so different from what's natural. Um go do a screening. Go go be around people. Yeah. Smile.
0: <laughs> All that being said, the final question of the day, should we cancel streaming?
1: Had to break it down. Yeah,
0: of course. Because streaming these things, I feel like you should stop streaming those yeah. kids YouTube videos. Yeah, I need to get off bed. of
1: CocoMelon and Baby Sensory. That's yeah, that's really hard for me. But I think I was even the last few weeks I've got sucked into a rabbit hole of podcasts, and I was like, this is increasingly every single time I leave the house, I put in headphones because mm. that's the time that I listen to podcasts. Like Why? I don't when I'm home, just because it's like makes the walk go quicker. I guess. And I think I'm going to try and cut back on those. But my conclusion overall was setting a kind of TV guide-like schedule for the week. Because I'm trying to set goals for the week as is. I mean, this is a very personal question. I'm not prescribing. But to try and set a TV guide. So look through the podcasts I want to listen to, to the YouTube videos that may come out that week that I want to watch. And just literally scheduling them. And then... If something new comes out, like, oh, wow, they released two videos this week or there's an extra podcast that I found that I want to listen to saying, no, you'll have to schedule that for another week. Um, But with canceling streaming, I think it'd be interesting to do a trial period, like go a week, a month, just no streaming at all and having to download things or do nothing.
0: So I broke it down basically into Video, audio, and other. And You touched on the audio with the podcast there. Yeah. Um, and each of those I broke down into art and info, like I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Your podcasts, I'm guessing, are more on the info side. Yeah, they are. educational things.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so art, let's say, for audio, that's music, yeah. typically. So we both use Apple Music. And recently, I just deleted the app entirely yeah. and switched to the new one, Apple Music Classical, shout okay. out. It's because I feel like this, again, it, it's quite a personal thing. But I think we talked about before how lyrics have a kind of mental clinginess. Mm-hmm. They they stick to you. They stick to me anyway. They stick to my mind um, when I wake up. Often I'll have song lyrics going through my head, even if it's a song I don't like. Mm-hmm. Just in quiet moments, often I'll have that kind of thing. And so the reason I kind of switched to a classical thing is because in format it's similar to music, but I don't to to lyrical music, but I don't listen to it as much. So it's mm-hmm. like I'm not as Drawn to it, but also there's no lyrics, obviously, so it doesn't have that that kind of clinginess. That's for me. And my main point here is that with streaming, you can listen to any song ever. So you can just try out a bunch of different yeah. songs and listen to the first few lyrics. And I don't think that is the kind of um freedom I really want with let's say you have headphones in words just kind of being put directly to your brain. Yeah. I'd rather it be a more intentional and deliberate thing as in this is something that I have bought.
1: Go um, and buy the CD or even buying the album. Yeah, I think, yeah bought digitally,
0: digitally or, or physical, yeah. whatever. Because I know the lyrics and I know that they're not going to...
1: Have a negative impact. Yeah,
0: kill my soul. Be yeah. demonic, <laughs> as it were. Um, yeah. And with the info with podcasts, I do think those in, in healthy moderation. Like even a solo yeah. scene, if someone was like, I just listened to three episodes in a row, I would say, don't do that. Yeah. I don't do that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think... That's too much. I've been trying to, because this is a question I think will be ongoing for us over this semester, yeah. to look into alternatives. And for podcasts, because I was kind of getting sucked into that, I was like, maybe I could subscribe to, like, The Economist magazine, like the physical one. Mm-hmm. But then it it is, like, so expensive. So I was like, that's kind of silly when there's literally yeah. a free podcast. Yeah. So I feel like, for me, the scheduling and, like, limiting is a good place to start. And
0: the other thing with that is... If it's an educational thing, you have to treat it as something of an educational thing. Like sometimes it'll be like this YouTube video, which ostensibly is like this will teach you something. But if you watch it in a very shallow way while you're eating, you're not really catching it. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be listening to music or like talking to someone at the same time. It's not educational at all. Then it is just yeah. just background, quote unquote, content. So you have to treat these things um, seriously if you actually want to learn from them. That's something that I've mm-hmm. uh, tried to adopt. Like Because on YouTube even defies um, description, the size of the library of just outrageously educational video, mm-hmm. which in any other time in history would have cost an inordinate amount of money. Mm-hmm. Like you can get things, conversations straight from the best in the world or whatever it may be to you for free. But you have to take it kind of seriously if you actually yeah. want to internalize a lot of
1: that. I think it's true. One more thing I like with the idea of limiting is kind of along those lines in that if you want to try something out or you want to try out even like a new topic of like learning about, you have to try it out. Like you have to schedule it in one of your, say you give yourself one video a day or three a week. Like it's going to take up a spot because I feel like this is a good in between of literally buying DVDs or buying CDs because that's still a bit. Yeah. Like it's a financial burden. Whereas with this it's kind of as if you have CDs and DVDs that you're buying.
2: Yes. Um true. and you
1: can do that. And maybe you could even do some kind of clearing out your Apple music, clearing out whatever you use, and then saying I can do one every two weeks, and you have to really yeah. get to know that album, but then it's in your library. Or so. Yeah. Or re listen. Something like that. That's cool. So that's all I had on that. What about you? Um
0: yeah, I had a lot of thoughts about what you just said listening to the album. A couple of times this week I listened to a vinyl album. Yeah. Your vinyl albums all the way through and it's like this is weird and I feel a little bit like a hipster. But on the other hand, it's nice I'm not too in like I'm not too into music, so I don't feel strongly about this like I know some people do. It's nice to listen to an album from start to end as intended. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even on this episode I have the John Keats selected poems. Like these aren't yeah. really arranged as they were intended. So I know that what happens to art is that the favorites tend to last. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in a in hundred years people will listen much more to the taylor swift um greatest hits than they will to any one of the albums mm-hmm. from, from start to finish like i understand this but i do think sometimes it's nice to experience a full thing in context i feel like otherwise there's there's a slight analogy of when you go on youtube and you see just random scenes from films that are trending mm-hmm. and it has like five million views this epic scene from endgame avengers that's not really how movies are meant to be watched not to be too much of a pedantic kind of purist about it, but you know, that's not really what it's supposed to be. Um, I know we upload like Sousine clips to to social media, so maybe we're contributing to that also. Yeah, maybe. But also on the topic of video, I feel like in general streaming, what we can say about it is that it's excellent for finding it's mm-hmm. excellent for finding film or YouTube videos that you didn't know existed and that are like genuinely just great things. But maybe the streaming format is not always the best for watching them. I know, like, objectively, it is the best because you can watch the things quickest and more of the things than if you were like going to a cinema or, or trying to buy it. But I think there's something about the effect of it always being in an up next. Like, for instance, if you watch something on Netflix, the credits just often don't play it or just skip to the next thing. And it's like, I just watch a two-hour, I don't know, masterpiece. Why would I want to skip to? The Richardson. next one. Bridgerton or the next one. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it doesn't give it enough room to breathe kind of. I talked before about how I like how DVDs have the the behind the scenes features. I think that's a really great thing. There's also the fact of like this is just home video in general but pausing. People often pause and go to get a snack or pause and say well watch the rest tomorrow. We do that probably a little bit too often which I feel like is not the best way of experiencing yeah. art or great stories. And lastly I feel like in terms of, this sounds mildly anti-consumer, but in terms of paying for something, when you have that commitment, um, you, you learn to like it a bit more, because you, you have to watch it because you paid for it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whereas, I don't know, it just makes you a bit more, I think, tactful and intentional about what you watch. Because like, well, I'm going to put money towards this, so
2: mm-hmm.
0: I won't just watch something awful on Tubi to pass the time because yeah. I'd have to pay for it. hmm Something like that. I know two bs free anyway.
1: But. Yeah, I like these ideas. Trying to change things up a little bit. And hopefully, this episode was at least enlightening, if not inspiring, yeah. in some kind of twisted negative way. Inspiring.
0: <laughs> Try and say something Solacene.
1: Something Solacene. How I, are you? Doing well while I was meditating in the park this morning. I heard a symphony of birds. Thanks for listening.